now I see that Emily sang and Matt led worship. Does, I don't know, where's Matt? Matt, does, you have all five of your kids here today? Yeah. Is that the first time? No, but... Se- okay, <laughs> second time. Yeah. I mean, like, Matt's doing his part for that whole church growth thing with the five kids. Every time he brings his whole family to church, it's like 3% of our church. So thank you, Matt. Keep doing it. So anyway, you know, uh, this morning, I kind of need you guys to prepare yourselves. I I want you to uh, mentally prepare for a question I'm about to ask you. Maybe you need to take your thinking cap out. Put it on. Maybe you need to treat this next question like it's final jeopardy. Maybe don't take it that seriously because as I think about it, I don't know if I've actually ever gotten a final jeopardy question right. And this one's going to be easier than that. But I want you to think through this, this question I have for you, okay, because it's, it's important. It's, it's, it's basically everything we come here for, okay? So my question for you right now is this. What is Christianity all about? I want you to to take a second, take 30 seconds, and I'm going to say the same thing like three or four times to give you time to articulate or formulate what Christianity is all about. You can write down if you want. Um, I kind of like it when people write down because it kind of like, it's there. When when I'm done explaining what Christianity is all about and, and you look at your answer, you're going to know if you got it right or wrong. And, and, and you're going to know that not because of the words that I share with you, but because of the words that God's word shares with us. Because so often we get this wrong. So often we're not completely there when it comes to what is Christianity all about. Hopefully you're ready. Either you've written it down or it's in your head. Okay? See, I have a friend who's a pastor out on the East Coast, and he posted um, this thing on Facebook. He made this comment, and here's what he said about it, okay? He said, deconstructing and reconstructing people's views on Christianity is going to have to be what Christian preaching and evangelism is in America, in America will look like in the foreseeable future. I'm going to say it again. Deconstructing and reconstructing people's views of Christianity is going to have to be what Christian preaching and evangelism in America will look like in the foreseeable future. Here's what he's saying. What my friend is saying is that there are so many people out there who have no idea what it means to be a Christian. He is saying that, that as we enter into conversations with people, we will need to be carefully and we will need to be compassionately taking apart people's ideas about what they think Christianity is, while also speaking to them the truth of God's word so that they know what Christianity actually is. Now, my friend is a pastor in New York City, and we might <clears throat> think that, that, well, maybe it's just because there's so many people out there, and maybe it's a city and it's easier to, to not hear what, it is, what Christianity is about but I think it's the same thing when we think about it, the people that we come across, whether it's in DeWitt or Comanche or Shalott or Charlotte or Eldridge or wherever it might be. But, you know, I have a lot of conversations with people as, as, as I, I walk around town or whether I'm out of town with Jenny's family, I, I, I get the blessing of, of often sharing with people what Christianity is about. What do you think people ask me as soon as they find out I'm a pastor? 
I mean, they want to know why. You know, whether, whether I, I can give you conversations about being at the bowling alley, walking around town, being at a restaurant, uh, traveling. It, and I get asked this all the time, and, and I have a new question. As soon as somebody asks me, like, why are you a pastor? Or why are you a Christian? You know, obviously they don't know why, and that's why they're asking. So here's what I start with, and I say this to them. Before I answer that, will you just tell me what you think Christianity is all about? Like, what do you think Christianity is about before I tell you why I do what I do for a living? As a matter of fact, in the last couple of weeks, I've been able to ask this question a couple of times. And one of the people who I said to them, you know, one of them is, isn't, isn't part of a church, never gone to church, didn't grow up in the church. And, and they asked me, why? Why? And, I, and I, so I said, well, what do you think Christianity is? And they said this to me. I just think it's something that, that, that kind of helps you out in life, kind of like a guide. And then I had another conversation, and, and, and I asked the same person, or another person, the same question. And this person grew up in the church. You know, they grew up going to church almost every Sunday their whole life. And, and, and their response to me, well, being a Christian is, is about learning about God and, and, and living a good life. Those aren't correct, my friends. Neither one of them. The answer from inside the church or the answer from outside of the church, both the two answers I received aren't correct. And, 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 and I didn't, like, beat at them for it. I just said, you know, there's a little bit of truth in what you said, but you're missing the meat. You're missing the, the, the important part of it. You know, um, this week, um, Aaron Rodgers, starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, who grew up in a Christian family, shared his thoughts on God and Christianity. And, and I'm not picking on Aaron Rodgers. I'm, I'm sharing this with you because if, if you listen to sports radio or you're on ESPN or you're reading a newspaper or you have ears or eyes, you probably came across this week because it was a big deal. And this is what he says about Christianity. I don't know how you can believe in a God who wants to condemn most of the planet to a fiery hell. What type of loving, sensitive, omnipresent, omnipotent being wants to condemn his beautiful creation to a fiery hell at the end of all this? Is that what Christianity is about? Why do we have Sunday school? Why do we have church? Why do we do youth group and kids club and, and uh, I'm probably missing one of them, 456, and I forget all the names for them, okay? But why do we do all this? Why? We do it so that our kids and for us, so that when we go to church, that we learn what Christianity is actually about. It's easy to miss. For some reason, it's easy to miss or we're messing it up. When we read the Bible, going back to Aaron Rodgers' comment, when we read the Bible, do we find a teaching that God wants to condemn people to a fiery hell? I mean, how many times in, in the Bible do we read that Jesus Christ came in this world in order to be able to condemn people and to send them to hell? I mean, he came and walked this earth so that then he could joyfully send people to hell. I don't know who the preacher was for the church where Aaron Rodgers grew up. I don't know how much he was actually listening to the, the message. I thought about this week, and I'm guessing some pastor out there is sitting there going, that's what he got when I preached? Like, 
If that's me, if one of you young kids, if one of you young kids grow up and become some amazing musician or amazing athlete, and you, and you get up in front of people and you say, man, I don't, I don't know about this Jesus guy. He just wants to send people to hell. I'm going to be like, that's my fault. Dang, I really messed it up. Like, I had an opportunity to speak Christ into this kid's life. And he walked away thinking that Jesus has a desire to watch people go to hell. Is that not messed up? So let me apply some law before I get into the message. Bring your kids to youth group. Bring your kids to kids club. Bring your kids to the foundry. Bring your kids to confirmation. Bring your kids to Sunday school. If I didn't, did I already say that one? Bring your kids to Sunday school. Bring yourself to Sunday school. Talk about Jesus around the dinner table. It's important. It's important. But see, Jesus has been, has been being misunderstood for a long time. The Old Testament points to a coming Messiah who's going to come and save them and ransom them. The prophets proclaimed his coming, and they stated why. Then Jesus comes, and he walks this earth himself. People saw him. People witnessed him. They wrote books about him. They wrote down his words. They wrote down his teaching. They wrote down his miracles, his death, his resurrection. It's seen. It's documented. You can't act like Jesus didn't walk this earth. It's documented. It's true. But for some reason, there's a continual misunderstanding of the message of God and why he walked this earth. And it's not new, and, and it will continue to happen. But my hope is that as it continues to happen, that we as a church, that we as a people, that we who understand what Christianity is about, and not because it's like, well, we get it, we're the real church. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it because we as in people who point to what God's word actually says, we speak that truth to people, right? So I am hoping by the end of this message that I'm going to make it very clear for you to understand what Christianity is all about. And two, that you'll be able to say it to other people very easily. And I, and I have the words. It's like four or five of them. And, and, and I'm going to make it really easy for us, okay? But before we get there, let's pray. And then we're gonna, I'm going to read this parable. And that's what we're going to be doing over the next five, six, seven weeks. We don't even know how long. But we're just going to be doing story time with Jesus. Because that's what parables are. Parables are when Jesus gives us stories to help us understand because when you just say it plainly, we don't get it. And then you give us a story and it sticks and it's kind of like preaching. But let's pray and then we're going to check out this text. Dear Lord Jesus, I just pray right now, Lord, that, that uh, your Holy Spirit has its way here. Lord, I pray it's not the spirit of Brandon Pangman. I pray it's not the words of Brandon Pangman. I pray that today as we sit here, we hear exactly what Christianity is all about. I pray that as we sit here and, and maybe we, we, we have a tough time articulating that you, Lord, will, will impress upon our hearts, our minds, and our souls what you do for us. In your name we pray. Lead us and guide us and teach us and mold us and change our hearts, O oh Lord. In your name we pray, amen. <clears throat> Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. 
one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he, Jesus, went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclined at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and she wiped them, them being his feet, with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him, now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he, and he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then Jesus, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So let's get this uh, stage set right here, but more in layman's terms. <clears throat> See, Jesus was invited over to a Pharisee's house for dinner. And now let's remember what a Pharisee is. A Pharisee is one who loves God's word, who loves the Old Testament, um, uh, who wants to obey the law, who loves the law. And not only do they love the law and want to obey the law, they're also one who wants other people to know that they love the law and that they obey the law, right? And they do everything that they can to keep it and for people to see it. And this man extends an offer to Jesus for him to come and to eat with him. And while Jesus is reclining with him, something really awkward happens. An uninvited guest shows up. Now this is a classic television, or, or maybe this is something that you've actually seen in your life. When, when you have a guest show up or you know that someone came to something where they're not invited. You ever experienced this? I have I've been to some place where you know that person isn't supposed to be there and they walk in and you're like, oh man, oh yes, I can't wait to see what happens in this moment because I love those awkward confrontational moments as long as they don't include me. <laughs> but, and, and this is what happens. Look at it. 
You have this religious leader, this Pharisee who loves the law and loves people and know that he does the, the right thing. And then you have this new guy who's newer to the scene. His name is Jesus. And this guy, Jesus, you know, he's, he's growing in popularity. It's the reason why this Pharisee even had him over for dinner in the first place. But Jesus' popularity is growing as a teacher, as a healer, as a proclaimer of truth, and, and ter- telling people to repent. People are following him and hearing his message. And here he is at the house of another person who, like I said, is, he's moral, he's good, he follows the law. So you kind of have these people who to the eye are considered good teachers and good people. And then all of a sudden, an uninvited guest shows up. Now, this is no ordinary guest. This lady, I mean, if when you look at the, the, the text, it says a woman of the city, a sinner. A woman of the city. Huh. I can only imagine, I can only begin to think of what that means. Do you know? She's a prostitute. She's a whore. She's somebody who, in order to make money, sells herself. That's who she is. And, 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 and when you look at it and you read different translations or read people say, they'll also call her a woman of the night. She is one that you would come to and, and, and pay for a service. And not only would she probably be good at this service, but she also knows how to not share the service with other people that, that, that you came to visit her. So all of a sudden, you have three main characters in this story, right? You have the good old boy, the Pharisee. You have the new guy to the scene, Jesus. And then you have this lady. Awkward. Awkward. So, Jesus is reclining at this table, and the picture that we are given is that this lady sits on the floor behind him, or she's, she's, she's behind him in some way, and, and she's weeping, and she's kind of probably kneeling down, and she's crying and because Jesus is right there in front of her. See, she has been hearing a message of repentance and acceptance. She's been hearing that, that, that her evil ways, her, her wrong acts are, are forgivable. That, that, that's not what needs to define her in life. And she's never heard this message before. Because, see, the Pharisees and, and the religious people at that time would be saying stuff like, you need to stop doing that. You need to clean yourself up. You need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. You're not presentable. You're unholy. And Jesus comes along. He has a different message. And she's, she's sitting behind him, and she's on her knees. And she's, she looks, and she sees Jesus' feet. And they're dirty because they wear sandals. And they walk through dusty areas. And as she's crying, she looks at Jesus' feet, and she knows that they're not clean, and, and she uses, think about this, the tears from her eyes because she's joyful, because she's happy that she's heard a message of forgiveness from this man, and she's using her tears to drip them on Jesus' feet, and then she takes her hair, 
and she's washing his feet. Right? Do you see it? And then she takes out this bottle of, of alabaster perfume. They call it an ointment in this text. And she starts to put it on his feet. And just so that we can see how awkward this moment is, and it doesn't stop, the awkwardness doesn't stop, because the Pharisee whose house it is, he knows that this lady is a prostitute, and he thinks to himself, but, but notice how the text says he doesn't say it out loud, but in verse 39, it says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to this man, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who she was or what sort of woman she is, and he would know who is touching him, for she is a sinner. But see, this is great. This is awesome. Jesus knows what this man is thinking, and he says, and he knows this man's judgment of this lady, and we're going to come back to that in a little bit, but he, he knows it, and Jesus in, in the following verse, verse 40, says, I have something to say to you, Simon. And Simon responds by saying, say it, teacher. And, and I want you to see something. The reason why Jesus is even in this house, this guy's house in the first place is because I said Jesus is coming along. His popularity is growing. This fish is like, I'm going to have this guy into my house. Uh, maybe he is a prophet. But then when the woman starts to touch him, the Pharisee quickly demotes Jesus, doesn't he? If this man were a prophet, he wouldn't be letting this horrible person come close to him. So when he, when he says in response, when he says, say it, teacher, and Jesus introduces this parable. Jesus says, a moneylender has two people who owe him money. One owes him 500 and the other owes him 50. Neither of them can afford to pay him back, and the moneylender decides to forgive both their debts. Which one will love him more? Simon responds, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus says to Simon, you have answered correctly. But see, this is where the text gets beautiful. Jesus turns as if he was looking at Simon in one second. He turns his face to this woman, but he's still talking to Simon. That's what the text tells us. Hey, Simon. And the words that come out of Jesus' mouth are this. Do you see this woman? Hey, Simon, from your perch up there, from your seat of honor, can you see her? Or do you look right past her and see her sin? Right? Simon, you don't see her. You see all the things she's done wrong. She's not a person to you, she's a sinner. And Jesus looking at the prostitute, and, and now Simon is looking at her, and Jesus says, when I came into your house, you gave no water for my feet. You didn't properly greet me with the kiss, which was the custom, and you didn't anoint me with oil. If all these things would have happened to Jesus or to a guest in a house of somebody else, but Simon didn't do any of the normal customs to Jesus. What Simon did was this. Jesus rang the doorbell, and Simon, sitting on his couch, El Bundy style, <laughs> hand in his pants, yells, come on in, Jesus. 
He doesn't even get up to go answer the door. That is what he does when, when, when he forgets, not forgets, when he deliberately doesn't greet him with those three things. And Jesus points it out to him. You didn't really greet me. And here I am, the person you call, you call a sinner. He doesn't say in these words. These are my words. He says, the person you call a sinner is here, and she's scrubbing my feet with tears. She has her hair down, which isn't part of the custom. But she's scrubbing my feet, and she's putting perfume on them. She hasn't ceased to kiss my feet since I've been here. And then we get to verse 47. We get to what Christianity is all about. Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Hear that. I want you to hear it. Jesus does not look past her sins. Jesus loves her, and when you love someone, you don't say, oh, your sins aren't that big of a deal. You don't say your sins are okay. You don't say, you know what, I understand Jesus looks at her and says, your sins, and then he, listen to it, though they are many, are forgiven. And he forgives her. Why does he do this? Was it because he, she washed Jesus' feet? Was it because she gave him a gift of, of the perfume? Was it, no, no, it was none of those things. It was because it was a reflection of her heart's gratitude towards Jesus. And it says in verse 50, and he said to the woman, your faith has set you free. Go in peace. It was her faith. My friends, this parable is about two different types of people. There's two different people in this, and they're both sinners. They're both debtors. They're both people who mess up. The text says that one of them had a debt of 500 and the other 50. But Jesus is saying this to get the man's attention. But the reality is this. They're both great debtors. But one of them sees it and knows it. And the other one thinks they're righteous. One sits there and thinks, man, I obey the law. I go to church. I give. I tithe. I love my wife. I do mess up. I need Jesus to fill in the gaps. The other one. The other one. Says, my sins are so great. My sins are so much. My sins are so heavy. That's the other one. And that's what Christianity is all about. Christianity, in, in the easiest and most simple terms ever, when I started this earlier and I said, What is Christianity all about? Here you go. Listen so you don't ever forget it. Christianity is about being forgiven much. You get it? Christianity is about being forgiven much, not little. So which one are you? Jesus is giving us story time here, and he's pointing out two different people. One who is forgiven much, and one who is not forgiven much because they're holy. Self-righteous, I should say. Are you the one who knows you're a great sinner? Are you a person of the city? Needed to be forgiven of much? Next time you're talking to a friend, they ask you what Christianity is all about, it's going to be easy. 
You're just going to look at them and say, Christianity is about me being forgiven much because I mess up a lot. It is about Jesus Christ and everything he does to forgive me, the person who's been forgiven much. Amen? All right, let's pray. Join me in praying for being forgiven much. Dear Lord Jesus, I pray every single person in this room prays this prayer. Every single person knows that they are forgiven much. That you, Lord Jesus, forgives us of all of our wrongs, all of our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.